So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Tai Kefu! Did he get it? That's the match winner! Yorikoto Haramai Bula, welcome to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast. Boys, not only have we got the end of these Super Rugby seasons to look forward to, we've got Trans Tasman to look forward to, uh, but we've got two new teams coming in next year. It's finally been confirmed. The Fijian Drua, Moana Pacifica, uh, will both be joining Super Rugby next year. Um, I've got Leo and Toby with me here. Boys, how are you feeling? Are you excited for this? Yeah, absolutely. Like we, we want to see Super Rugby grow a little bit um, and in that direction, I think it's excellent. Like we've, we've abandoned the South Africans, casting aside, they're going to look at their Northern Hemisphere options and we're now looking closer to our own backyard where a lot of the talent, certainly in the Kiwi sides, is coming from anyway and, and, and those that come to the Australian uh, states. So yeah, it's great that they get their own representation and two interesting teams, one with some background we'd be much more familiar with. Uh, and then the yeah, Moana Pacifica team, who uh, I guess we'll talk a bit about what makes them unique as well. Yeah, and I think it, it's going to be refreshing to have Super Rugby back to that kind of round-robin format, 12 teams, and you know they take whatever the top six or something, go to finals, whatever it's decided. But I think careful expansion is probably key going forward for Super Rugby. Um, obviously, we might look towards Hawaii and maybe J- Japan down the track, but I think for now, these two teams, are it's going to be a refreshing, I think, addition to the competition and plenty of excitement with those sort of players. Absolutely. And, I mean, we've seen the Fijian uh, Drua have success in the NRC in Australia. Moana Pacifica had a one-off game against the New Zealand Maori last year. Both teams have said they're willing to relocate to Australia for the Fijian Drua or South Auckland for the Mono Pacifica for next year if travel restrictions are still an issue. Um, but it's just, it's something that we've talked about so many times um, about we need to pump sort of money into these sort of areas to get um, these guys that can stay back in sort of local areas and bring rugby back to the islands. And that's what we got. We got these... Um, we got Australian New Zealand Rugby Union to uh, agree to share profits of the Super Rugby with it, plus this um, World Rugby boost of cash coming in for these guys as well. Um, and we've we heard our sort of first sort of idea of what makes up the Minor Pacifica, um, because I think a lot of us were sort of worried that it was going to just end up being a sixth New Zealand team, and it's just going to end up. Uh, just being another sort of file for more New Zealand players to come through and getting more Island players into the All Blacks. I think for me, like, apart from the fact Super Rugby will benefit from this ultimately, I think this could feed into teams like Samoa and Tonga and Fiji actually being stronger on the the world stage internationally. And perhaps that's going to lead to further expansion of the Rugby Championship. I think that would be another thing that could actually benefit from this. Um, no, we want to see players that are from these regions have the option of actually staying there rather than having to go to France, go to England, places like that, to pay them the big money. Be nice that they can earn a living and stay closer to home. Yeah, and to have some games uh, in the islands as well, like it's, it's great that they're willing to relocate uh, understanding the practicalities of a competition that might be a little bit inhibited by international borders. But like how good would it be to be able to include a, a game of Super Rugby if you're on a, a Pacific Island holiday? Like see those communities and see the grounds and get the atmosphere. Like it's it's just like it's a good way to grow, I think. And and exactly what you said, Toby. Like the the potential if you support it well and you get some um, some fairly swift improvement through that support, like we saw with the Sunwolves, who became um, very competitive in their in their last season. The last couple of seasons like that was um like really impressive imagine those sides challenging the rugby championship 
and not just being like an Italy bolt on like that'd be excellent. And that's, that was the, one of the conditions of this. And it was, it's a really hard thing, but they've said that they want these teams to be competitive from year one and they don't want to be adding these teams that are going to lose sort of every game in the competition. They want them to be competitive. And then they've also talked about the eligibility, especially for Moana Pacifica, um, talking about a squad of about 30, 38 players. Um, And really, if you play for them, you don't have eligibility to play for New Zealand and the All Blacks um, outside of, I think they said eight spots um, that would be um, open for players that were eligible for other, for other teams, whether that's New Zealand, whether that's other international teams. Um, but those 30 um, core players, I guess, have to be eligible for Fiji, Samoa, Tonga as their mainstay. I still think eight spots is relatively generous to be kind of opening up to these other countries that, you know, all established players at other countries that can come across and play, but maybe that's in the interest of being competitive early on in the piece. And maybe that will be, that will shrink over time. Yeah. That's how I'd imagine it playing out that, that they would be able to reduce that number over time. You, you want to go hard, go early. It's, it just gives you the best chance at producing something strong. And I mean, is there any chance that they're overly competitive and dominant? Probably not. Like, I don't think you end up with a team in year one that's, you know, winning more than 50% of games. I think that would be a dream. So, um, you know, for the sakes of development and really supporting these um, young sides, I think you you allow them to go a bit hard and hopefully that just means that they're competitive and they draw some more local talents and guys come back from overseas who are uh, sort of local to the, the team's location and, and then you can just wean them off those extra stars. And I think we've seen it with the force, obviously bringing in a few veterans of different international teams has really helped them be um, more competitive this year and whether that's going to be the plan longer term, who knows? But I think that that recipe actually works, particularly if you're, you know, you're limited on time to actually bring teams together like this. If you did the exercise with the force, I mean, you've got Carney, you've got the four Argentinians. Um, who else is there who's not an Australian, being it's an Australian Ola, side? Ola Fella. That's right. You've got the English, English. Ola Fella. Was there a Japanese, was Himono or something in there? No, he's at the Highlanders. That's at the Highlanders. That's right. Sorry. No, but anyway, so five, like if you chuck a couple other quality players in there, you know, th- yeah. those guys are already challenging definitely in the, the sort of bottom half of the table, but you make them very competitive with a couple other solid players and it just gives them a bit of um, a bit of support, a bit of depth when injuries happen to those players. So I don't, I don't think eight's unreasonable. And as long as the guys who are native in the squad get heaps of opportunity, then I think it's the only good thing. Doing them a bit of a disservice there, calling them the bottom half of the table. They're smack bang in the middle, mate. Well, you can only round as, as far as you can, can't you? Can't you? Yeah, like so they're, they're, they're bottom half and they're top they're half, in the top half, yeah. Let's go to the weekend. And we had uh, some poor tipping from us boys on the Running Rugby podcast in the New Zealand competition round eight so two more rounds left before finals there highlanders took it over the blues the blues went down to forsyth bar they got the early jump with jonathan ruru snatching an intercept off aaron smith um off the line i just punched a ball out of i'm not sure aaron smith's used to those um missiles he fires ever being taken by anyone other than who he intends them to have but then the highlanders ground away uh, it's good to see that's where him and o, um, Leo, you're talking about him, uh, had a great sort of game at starting off this really strong and got himself a meat pie for his trouble. A couple of cards to the Blues with Hoskin Satutu and Alex Hodgman later on in the game. An interesting call with the captain's challenge as well, um, with Aaron Smith being denied despite sort of clear evidence of a hit to the head, but brushed off as an inter- incidental contact. And it means the Highlanders go up by six and suddenly um, they're pretty much even with the Blues here. Of course, Blues one game behind, but it might lead to a way the Highlanders can squeak into the playoffs. Yeah, which would be like unforeseeable at the start of the season. So uh, go the Highlanders, as as always. My my New Zealand team, though, never never really challenging for top spot. Um, that that intercept from Ruru was just sensational. But well, that was 
just such a good read. He's fully committed, and um, you know that's what your that's what your preparation does. You know how the team sets up, your opposition sets up, and you can see those things coming and capitalize. Um, yeah. So that incidental contact. Have we ever heard of them? use that terminology before like no, to write something of i feel like they've always been really conservative and and tried to pull that stuff up and it gets a big groan from the crowd because we're like well the contact didn't really affect what actually happened and yes it's you know you try for it not to happen but it doesn't doesn't appear that it was intentional so i mean i don't mind that i, I just think it's an odd um way to kind of frame it because yeah. i don't feel like we've done that before i think it was the right call in the end um but it's just hard because there's so many things saying that it doesn't matter if it's incidental contact with the head or if it's purposeful it's still a penalty that's about safety here and which which aaron smith i think thought he was um in for sure to get this try overturned and in the end i don't think anyone any rugby player watching it would have thought that that should have been overturned um, looking at it on the screen. And New Zealand media, at least the New Zealand Herald, it looks like has given up on the Blues this year. They just posted a simple comment with the final score saying the Blues are a myth. Um, so it sounds like New Zealand starting to think that this is the Blues have all come back. They had one solid year and now it's looking like they're just going to keep tumbling down Mount Eden until they, they're in the bottom in the pits there. The other game on the weekend was um, the Chiefs Crusaders and boys, Damien McKenzie just continues to lift this team and um, it's the third game in a row where he's been involved either by a try or penalty um, in the final sort of five minutes or extra time um, to seal a win for his boys. It's been really sort of impressive from him for a guy that I thought maybe had lost a little bit of his touch, a little bit of his flair. He seems to just... Um, be playing with a sort of newfound passion in this resurgent Chiefs team. Definitely thriving um, under the pressure and the um, the weight of a lot of sort of leadership responsibility in this team now that Sam Kane's been out for a little while. Like he's, you know, clutch in those late moments and, and even though they must be able to see it coming, like it, it must almost be watching something awful happening in slow motion as the opposition's like, oh no, McKenzie's got the ball. Oh, he's he's outrunning me. Oh, and he's passed me. Oh, and he's scored. And you know it's coming. You know he's gonna, you know, try and lead that that counter and and you know save the day or set something up and and yet he seems to be able to do it almost at will. And and the Chiefs timing is is perfect. They're leaving it late in the game. And they've what well, how many is it now? Is it four in a row after starting the season three in a row? Um, three in a row losses or two in a row yeah. or something like that. Yeah, well, they've gone from their um, run of 11 losses in a row, sending back to last season, having yeah. not won a game to, yeah, four in a row now. Which is excellent because you can't afford to have a team like the Chiefs just, um, you know, hopelessly losing over and over. Like they're, they're such a good team that the players in that team you want in good form, you want with momentum in your all black side. So that's two in the season for the Crusaders who. I mean, we said that um, going undefeated was tough. Obviously, going all but one is also very tough and making them a li- look a little bit more uh, human, I guess. And, I mean, they did rest quite a few of their top players in this game, but it's come back to bite them. And Not I just think... Huh? Was there really that many? Yeah, I think... That, I mean, let me have a look. I guess Cody Taylor yeah. wasn't there. Whitelock wasn't there. The back line was more or less intact. I mean, Joe Moody's out, so that's why. I mean, it looks worse from that perspective as well. Um, playing Blackadder at eight, I just think, yeah. And, the you know, the centres aren't first choice, I don't think. Yeah, but I mean, Goodyear's injured now. Yeah, they're dealing with some injuries, I guess. So there's a there's slight reformatting of, of certain combinations I think that they need to get their head around um I don't think it's going to damage them too much going into the finals but it's probably there's more injuries here than they're probably used to dealing with they're generally they're good at managing workloads um and they're good at peaking at the right time so they've got one more game obviously this coming week against the Blues then they've got a week off before they go into finals um do they still win overall Win the win the title. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think the Chiefs are the the team to watch out for, and I think that's really been helped by, I think their forward pack's been excellent, particularly in the back row. Some of the combinations there are just great. Luke Jacobson, I think, is making a massive difference to that team. Um, and then Lockie Boshier back in, I think's great. Mitch Brown as well. Um, but, yeah, McKenzie, if he's not playing at this level, they will struggle. I think Leonard Brown as well has been really key to their success. Um, but now we probably get back to the argument, is McKenzie a legitimate 10 option? Well, he's been moved back to 15 for the weekend and Bryn Gatlin's been elevated. Interesting, interesting. Um, I mean, I'd, I think McKenzie is a better 15. He's better with some more space. But you just like to have him with his hands on the ball as frequently yeah. as possible. And so it's a bit of a balance between that. But he needs the space, I think, to really um, operate at his top level. Unfortunately, Luke Jacobson out with more sort of concussion woes, so we won't see him this weekend. Same. But they do have Peter Gus, so we'll call her. Um, coming in, who was massive for them last year and has only sort of got limited game time so far this year. Where do you think Crusaders still end up winning it? And do you think they face the Chiefs in the final? Well, the format of this competition is slightly different to the Australian, isn't it? There is no prelim final. It is straight to a final. So the Crusaders will host that final. And at home, they are very, very difficult to beat. We've seen it once this season. Um, yeah, look, I think I, I think they do win. I think that their most of their injuries aren't long, long term. I think um, Goodhue's out, isn't he? But yeah, and um, I think Moody's out for this whole competition. Is he okay? Well, yeah. I mean, that's good. That not good, but it, it's in competitive terms. It, it makes nah. it a bit more even, and particularly if it is the Chiefs, they're the ones who've beaten them away from home. So you know, the next big challenge is to beat them at home in their own backyard and in a final no less and they do have um plenty of senior guys in that side who are you know across all blacks experience have been in big games before as well so uh yeah look i I think it would be tight i would still expect the crusaders to win though especially at home in a final and coming back over to home shores and across to the west to perth and the force they finally did it they gave their home fans a super rugby victory um down there in hpf park it's been many years since the fans have seen that, but and again, they took it down to the wire against this Waratahs team that is looking more and more dangerous each week. Um, 31 points to 30, Domingo Miotti uh, gets the penalty goal. Um, they needed a late try from Oluwafela as well to really sort of seal the deal here. They, they did make it hard for themselves, and it was on the back of a Waratahs team that is is looking like they're more and more competitive every week, and I know it's been um, against some sort of it's the force and maybe an understrength Brumbies team that we're starting to see this, but we're definitely seeing flashes of something here. I still put so much weight behind the fact that Jake Gordon wasn't there when they were really struggling and the center combination wasn't strong and, and they were doing a few makeshift things in the second row. Um, this team is becoming settled. It's, it's seeing the same selections week in, week out much more this half of the season and um, deservedly being, you know, more competitive and probably finding some confidence. Um, and this was, you know, this was the revenge match trying to steal the win back from the force after they got uh, embarrassed at, in their backyard. Um, and, you know, they almost got there. This, this came down to last last final kick for the force to, to rip the win out of their hands. So, uh, look, selfishly, I'm, I'm happy because I wanted to see the force succeed and, and um, you know, it's not good for the Waratahs, but this season was always going to be a write-off this far in. So another loss doesn't really mean anything, I don't think. Um, it does set up this weekend really well, which we'll get to. Obviously, it's going to be a really exciting final contest to see out who makes finals. Yeah, it was just good to see as well the force get a win at home for the first time, I think you know, in super rugby for four years or something. And mm. you could tell you know, it just, from Godwin's voice, like when they were talking to him after the game, how much I think it meant for him. Yeah. And even for some of the guys that have only been a part of this team for this season, I think there's a really good culture there. I think that's evident. Um, they, they're playing for each other. I think they understand that, you know, they want to have success now because they want to prove that they belong in this competition. And I think they've shown that. I think, you know, they had a bit of a tough stretch through the middle of the season. 
um, and lost some some games by significant margins to some of the better teams, but they've really come together in the last couple of weeks again. And I think it's going to be a tough ask against the Reds, but they've given themselves a shot at making that final series, which would be huge. And yeah, I think the Waratahs were really good in this game. I was impressed by them. I thought Ben Donaldson was excellent with his kicking. I thought he really stepped up in his first game starting and he hasn't been a part of that squad at all. I don't think this year. So huge effort by him. Um, But the force I think deserved to win this game overall. But like Leah says, it's, it's all going to come down to this week. What do you think about uh, Sidalecki Tamani's performance as in the last two weeks? He's, it just seems like he's taken it up a notch. I don't know whether the announcing of him, he, I think he was surprised that he got um, named in that pony squad, but it mm. seems like that sort of reinvigorated him. Yeah, I think so. I think he probably came back to Australia. You know, he spent a long time in France and, there's probably always a question of how you're going to stack up after playing in the French competition, coming home. Is he going to be up to the level of super rugby? And I think that would have really boosted his confidence walking back into, you know, the larger Wallabies squad. And he's probably thinking now, well, you know, the locks that are here, there's a lot of rookie locks around that haven't really established themselves. So there's a real opportunity for him to, to even pick up a starting berth in the Wallabies. And maybe it's not for the World Cup, maybe it's not more of a longer-term play. But for 2021, you could see with the way he's playing at the moment, he well and truly is an option for Dave Rennie. Is he the top lock in Australia at the moment? I still think Neville is. Yeah, I think it's fair to say Neville is. I think he's shown it for longer this season, but I think the way Tamani was playing on the weekend... I think he's at that that standard. It's just whether can he continue that on. You know, are his legs going to give out on him a little bit um, if he's trying to do that for weeks and weeks on end? But at the moment, he looks great. He looks strong and he looks fit. And I think you know, that's what we need. We need experience in our forward pack for the Wallabies. Yeah, and I think he's like he's absolutely earned to be in this conversation. And it's it's like all it's all basically free money for him at this point like in the sense that he probably didn't expect this to happen and as long as he maintains form like it's all it's all sort of more than he expected and anything he can achieve in the wallaby gold uh, if he does get there is is just cream on on a career he's probably fairly satisfied with and and to top it off coming back you know he he should he should be really happy and um again I, i don't know if it's the expected to be okay now this is your motivation to to go on for another couple of years make the world cup it might just be look i'm really stoked to be considered and i'm going to give everything i have for as long as i can but i understand that you know as other guys coming through maybe i'm a stopgap but it's all cream you know for him and and good to see because you know he's his big unit should put some dents in a few of the opposition players before the world cup at least we had a bit of a chat about the waratahs a few weeks ago um just about aims going forward and we talked about maybe some of the key signings they should be looking at in terms of like Angus Bell um, to retain. Are there any other players you see now after these two sort of increasingly um, better performing weeks that you think they should be looking to get um, pen to paper or maybe some of these younger guys um, that look like they they could be a part of a good future for them? I mean, Parise, I think, has already shown how good he can be. And he's playing with a lot of determination. I think it would have really stung him missing all those weeks in the middle of the season after being suspended. I think he's making up for lost time. You know, we, we know he's got a bit of a checkered history off the field and he's still probably dealing with some of those issues. But, yeah, I think he's legitimately a great option for the Waratahs going forward, both on the wing in the centres Um you know, he's not the youngest guy in the squad by any means, but he's got plenty of good years in him and he's someone I'd be targeting. Uh, ben Donaldson, I think, has shown he's, you know, he's got talent. It's just hard when you've got Will Harrison, you got guys like Ben Donaldson who I think is a year older than him. Yeah. And then you got Tane Edmed. So you've got three really promising young fly halves there. It's just hard to fit them in the team. Um. So that's I think, a challenge. I, I think Ben Donaldson showed on the weekend. I don't know if 
Like, is there anything that he did on the weekend that makes you think that Will Harrison's uh, amazingly better player than him? I mean, it's one game, so it's difficult to say. But I, I know it's I a think small sample size. Yeah, I think he played up to the standard of Will Harrison. And he, he kicked certainly to the level that Will Sneaky Harrison... Sneaky little drop goal. I mean, that was excellent. Like, yeah, just... I think it's hard to say, to be honest. But they, they are a similar ilk from the under-20 system. Donaldson came through a year before Will Harrison. Tane Edmund, I haven't seen enough of him. Yeah. He's maybe got a bit more flexibility in terms of maybe he can play centres, things like that. But in terms of, yeah... There's not a huge amount of players that are showing through to me, apart from maybe the locks as well. Jeremy Williams, Max Douglas, I think are two guys that need to be looked at closely as well. Yeah, and if you could support them with a like a great signing, if you brought Skelton or one of the, one of the other locks who are overseas back, um, like if you could manage that, then you give them the development and you could you really bring them through with some experience. Mm. Um, and beyond that. I think like I think the it'd be interesting to see if they do keep Tizano around when since Hooper's coming back. Like you're not going to be able to play both of those guys if you're putting one on the bench. Um, you know you, you you're saying you're probably going to sub the one who starts, right? You're probably not going to put them both on the field. So it's it'll that'll be interesting to see if they think he's uh, worthy of being in the squad and, and mm-hmm. can he find a way to be in the team on this, on the field at the same time as Michael Hooper? Uh, I, I have my doubts. I think he's ferocious, but I think maybe, maybe this is a chance to um, prove himself and then maybe ends up somewhere else uh, in the longer run. Well, he is a WA boy, so he may end up back at the Which force. Which is what I was sort of thinking. The, the force um, might be looking for him. I mean, Katek has been decent for them, but also if, you, if you're not so keen on Hardwick, maybe... There's another opportunity down at the Rebels in the future. Tizano is pretty ambitious. If he gets stuck behind Hooper for too long, you can see him looking elsewhere. What about the Brumbies? No, nah, Will Miller's back, baby. He is back, but he's Probably back as an injury year. coverage. There's the other guy that's um, started on the weekend, or I think they they nicknamed Mini Poey. Yeah, he did look good. He got I can't remember his name, but um, he's, Brumbies, um, yeah, he Scott. came off injured, didn't he? Rory Scott. Rory Scott. Just before, we move, just before we move on from the TARS, what about their other signing they announced this week? Sunwolves number eight slash centre on a given week. Raboni Warren Vosayato. This is a guy that I swear we talked about about two years ago uh, for the Sunwolves, just how damaging a runner he's from Sydney. I was like, how are we not getting this guy back when the Sunwolves were announced they were going down? He's been in Japan. But they finally got him back. They got him back for the Tars for next year. Man, that's like, it just gives me so much hope for this Waratahs team moving forward for a guy like that. It's so damaging. So who do you think he's putting pressure on? Is he putting pressure on Will Harris or is he putting pressure on Fichetti, Parisi? No, I, he's, an, he's a loose forward. Yeah, I think. I think he, I number eight. He's, he's number eight. And I, so Will Harris slides to six because he's a, maybe a little bit less. Swinton. Broad, well, yeah. I'd prefer Will Harris to Swinton. Give me, yeah, Raboni <laughs> at eight, Hooper at seven, and Will Harris at six. Yes, I'll take it. Harris has got a lot of potential. He's a great athlete. It's probably yeah. a bit more of a balanced player than Swinton. Um, probably a better ball carrier. I think we can see a lot more from Will Harris as well. I think he's only just you know, yeah, he's, he's just, just getting starting. opportunities. Yeah. The other game was Sunday afternoon, Rebels-Brumbies. And this was a game that was dominated by penalties early. And even though the Brumbies are the most penalised team in Super Rugby, it wasn't them at all. It was the Rebels that were just copping penalties, defending down in their own quarter. They topped two yellow cards in the first half an hour. Um, I think, I think, in all honesty, David Murphy maybe got a little bit card happy early on. And he sort of built in, um, got himself into a bit of a corner there where he gave them a warning sort of very early in the game. Um, and then I think he almost had to balance himself out to, to stop penalising them so much because he realised he was going to have to send about four different Rebels players off if he kept doing it. But by no means a blowout, but still didn't really feel like the Rebels were really 
going to steal this one away, 26 to 20. Um, the Brumbies, again, with a slightly different looking team, um, they take this and they, their sights must be just set on the semifinals now. But one more buy and then there. Yeah, the, the Brumbies just always looked strong and, and like some of, the, some of the attacking raids and the, the work to get edge to edge. The, I actually I would give the Rebels some credit, like even though they were penalised, maybe they were slightly offside a couple of times and, and got called for it. There were some other penalties in this early uh, portion of the game which really I didn't think were deserving. Um, so they really they had a lot of pressure on them and uh, I think they only um, conceded one try while Marika was off. Um, they were still really strong defensively, stayed in the game. Um, but they, yeah, it just always feels like against the strong opposition, they're, they're like playing at a try or so below the level of the opposition, unless they're getting like blown out massively by the Reds. But um, they, they just couldn't quite get the momentum and, and rest it off off the Brumbies in this game. Um, did they miss Hodge? I don't, I don't know. Like I feel like they 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 pretty much cast the. The equivalent in Campbell Magnates, like low tackles and rangy running. Um, yeah, you know, awkward see. running styles. Yeah, well, he's quick though. I mean, Campbell Magnate, he must take a two and a half meter stride, like he can move, but he looks awkward like Hodge. But anyway, like, I, like I think they, they they played reasonably well for 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 the result. It's they'll be very disappointed because I think they probably fancied themselves at times in that game when they got past the um, the torrent of penalties they were suffering. And now they're stuck in the situation where they're having to come to Sydney, beat the Waratahs to try and make their way into the um, semi-final if the force, um, as we probably expect them, to not get a victory over the Reds. Um, and they're going to be without not only Hodge, not only Haylett, um, Dane Haylett-Petty's not going to be there, but Trevor Hosea now has copped a ban for two weeks as well after that Um dangerous play in this game on Nick White. So needs them to make the finals if he gets to um, play for the Rebels before Trans-Tasman. Yeah, it's it's looking pretty bleak for the Rebels. Um, I mean, they're pretty lucky they have the Waratahs as this last game. Gives them an opportunity, but yeah, they're, they're a bit depleted and some of the selections are somewhat baffling as well for this week. Um, I think interesting in this game with the Brumbies, though, I think Tamua showed maybe a little less composure than we're used to with him. Um, he was throwing balls out again. like Yeah, he was throwing balls out and just that kind of, I know he was fatigued running back to get that ball to clear it. Mm. But the way he did that, he, he pretty much caused that try for Bailey Kunzel to stri- stride in. You know, if he'd been a little bit more hasty with, with getting back and just cleared it sideways, even if, if that was the case, like, he kind of you could, you wouldn't say he lost in the game, but he really kind of they were they were had the ascendancy in that second half, and after that, you know, it was very difficult for them once that that try went in after Bailey Kunzel scored. Let's look at this week, and we have round nine of Super Rugby Aotearoa, and then the final round of Super Rugby AU. Um, starting off on Friday night in New Zealand, Chiefs hosting the Hurricanes. Hurricanes obviously only one win this season so far. They have two more chances here. Do they get a win this week travelling up to Waikato? Without Adi Sevilla, we didn't mention he is confirmed to be out and he will not be back. That's that's probably enough for me to be um, comfortable tipping the Chiefs because the Hurricanes certainly as well, even though they've had the one win, they've, they've certainly looked a lot better at times later this season, um, particularly with... Is it Ruben? Ruben. Ruben Love. Yep, he Ruben. maintains the nineteen-year-old prodigy. Yeah, so Ruben Love in there as well. Like, um, just like they just need more time. They just need more time, and they probably haven't had enough time to work him in. And unless he's been getting a lot of reps of training, they've had the bye. Um, but I think going to the Chiefs now at home, having beaten the Crusaders, um, you know that's that's a team who's who's you know playing really well. Uh, finding ways to win games. Hurricanes still kind of faltering uh, late in games. So 
I would go with the Chiefs here. I suspect it'll be it'll be a good contest though. Like lots of attacking play. And I don't think either of these two teams are defensive juggernauts, really. So what's your tip? It's Chiefs. Bye. I'm not giving you my margin. <laughs> we keep tipping the same thing. <laughs> that is true. We do do that. But we're we're within wrong. one or two points. They're always wrong anyway. Oh, well, in that case, it's Chiefs by you know, two. <laughs> Toby? Um, I think Gatlin coming in throws a bit of a spanner in the works. I, I liked having Damien McKenzie there with Chase Tiatia at the back, but, um, you know, and also Luke Jacobson being out. I think it'll probably be close, very close game. I think the Chiefs will be desperate enough to get this um, going into, I think, a final week playing the Blues away. So that's a difficult game. And they'll want to be in that final, obviously. It's it's a shame that New Zealand doesn't have this preliminary final because I think it's almost more interesting to have a little bit of a playoff um, before the grand final. But it's the way they've gone with that. So I'll be picking the Chiefs, I think. Um, but I wouldn't thinking I wouldn't be thinking they'd win by more than five points. I think Chiefs are going to smash them. I think it's going to be Chiefs by 12. Crusaders hosting the Blues. Blues on the slide. Crusaders, Scotty Robinson has not really been in a situation like this where there's multiple questions being asked of his team. I mean, they're on top of the table, though. It's like... I don't think you understand what the, what the feeling team. like is here in New Zealand. Like, people are like, what's going on here? This is not... This is not, not the, the Crusaders lost to the Chiefs and the Highlanders. Yeah, yeah but the... the Highlanders the, aren't that bad. The, the story, the narrative can't be that all the New Zealand teams are suddenly bad. Like, all oh, the Blues are bad. All oh, the Crusaders are bad. All oh, the Hurricanes are bad. Like, who's who's the good team that everyone's Chiefs, talking about over the there? Chiefs the Chiefs and the Highlanders. Yeah, they just I beat the top two place teams. Yeah, look, I, I think this one, unfortunately, doesn't have the excitement of um, Blues having won the previous matchup and, and then coming down to the Crusaders on a high, trying to, trying to wrest the top table spot off them. It's... To me, it's Crusaders comfortably. Um, Blues, Blues not going to find the will. That, that I've, I've tipped them a couple of times and been disappointed now. And I've, I've lost faith in them, not to say they're a bad team, but I don't think they get up for this game. Yeah. Like you say, Archie, don't poke the bear. You don't want to poke the bear. They had a reaction last time they lost a the game. They'll have another reaction. Then they've got the week off. Then it's the final. So there'll be a big push here to show that they're the team that they they were before and I think these injuries are concerning in some ways but I don't think it's going to derail their season the Blues just lack discipline they're inconsistent and I think they're still yeah they're not anywhere close to what they were last year Mm -hmm. Um, so I'll be yeah be comfortable with the Crusaders getting across the line I think I bring this up every time these teams are playing each other Um, but once again last time Blues beat the Crusaders it was 2014 Yep, it's a long time. It's a long, long time. Going to Super Rugby AU, the Force hosting the Reds over there in Perth. They get two um, final games at home. Is there any what What are you looking to see here out of the Force? I think we're, no one's thinking that the Force are going to win, but if they're going to be playing in the semi final the week after in Canberra, what What do you think they need to show here? I think the scrum needs to hold up. I'm not expecting them to be able to push the Reds off the ball, but the Reds are playing Angus Scott Young in the, in the row, which I think is a step down from anyone else they've they've had there this season. Um, you know, they've still got that really strong front row. They've got BPA starting, but the force need to get the engine room pushing hard, get the back row um, really, you know, tied in tight around the back and, just just maintain you know maintain a platform at least for yourselves in attack like this is this is your chance to even though you probably lose like you you've got to get your your set pieces right because the brumbies are going to be your next opposition if you do make the finals and you need to be in good form because their entire game starts at the set piece so firstly that that's a massive part and then let's just get the ball out the back and see what our um exciting force back three can do like carney should be there calling calling a few players, your Godwin um, distributing in the very middle. Um, let's get those wingers running some lines and and trying to cut through the reds and just, you know, be, be a bit more creative. Like so many times we've seen teams not using their wingers except on the wing. I think that's got to change. 
Yeah, I think it's it's a really tough ask for the force, but yeah, it's almost maybe the destinies in in the the hands of the rebels, their destiny. Um, but look, they have to score. I think at least thirty points to win this game. I think the Reds have a lot of firepower. They can score points out of nowhere. The force can't really just sit back and die wondering. They need to go out and score points. I think the fact they've picked someone like Pulu on the wing with um, Olo Wafela, I think that's it's a good start. Um, shame to see Jack McGregor got dropped, but I can see why you'd want Rob Carney back in with all his experience. I think it's a good-looking team. And I think the bench actually for the force looks really strong. So maybe they can look for a, a pretty strong second-half push there when they bring... Some names like Fergus Lee Warner on, Ian Pryor, Kahui, again, McGregor. Um, they got some pretty handy guys coming off the bench. The Reds, look, they're going for an undefeated season. That's, that's difficult to do at the best of times. Um, so I don't think they'll drop the bundle here. I think the Reds will get it done, but I think the, the force might actually put a fair bit of pressure on them and it, it won't be easy. I expect it to be a good game though. Like you get entertainment from the Reds and the Force are plucky. They're they're good defenders. They're they're working like they're hunting in groups. Like we saw um, Thrush and Tamani absolutely crush Ram last week. Like I suppose that's the worry for the inside line of the wings that I just promoted. You're going to get absolutely destroyed uh, by a pair like that. But like they're they're there. They've got nothing to lose. Uh, everything to gain. And if they can shake the Reds up a bit, I mean that that might make the Reds feel a bit. Uh, uncomfortable next time they face probably not the force but the brummies at least yeah and i i think you're absolutely right in what you were saying before um with the set piece and getting your wingers involved and i really liked what i saw from oliver fella on the weekend getting himself involved in that game um took a huge amount of work up in the middle on the opposite side of the field he was sort of roving and really keen to get his hands on the ball and i think pulu can be very similar in that regard as well um, he's only had the one game for the Force this year, but he, he looked like he was searching out for opportunities in that game and looked quite good. So shame not to see Kahui there, but um, probably probably makes more of an impact coming off the bench than continuing to ask that guy to play 80 minutes week after week after week, um, which he I'm sure he can do, um, but I'm sure he'd prefer not to have to do every single week. Um and then, Leo, you and me are going to be at Bank West on Saturday night. The Tars and the Rebels. The Tars, obviously, this one final chance to get a victory uh, in Super Rugby AU. And the Rebels, a chance to prolong their season a little, a little bit. They've had disappointment. They've had some ups. They've had some downs. If they could get themselves into third place, same as last year, and set up even a chance of themselves um, getting in up in Canberra in two weeks' time. Um, you got to think that they, they, they'd be dreaming of an idea of managing to get a win here in Bankwest. Mate, the, I just don't see this happening. I'll be uh, sporting my Waratahs best once again. It's been a while uh, vocally supporting the Tars. I, I don't want to see them go undefeated. I think this team's been good enough at times in the season that they don't deserve that record. Um, but... Uh, the yeah you know they've got to beat a team who's probably a bit more um, not composed but a little bit more cohesion a little bit more um, sort of uh, combination developed already um, but it's it's a tale of two teams really it's it's a team on the up and a team really just flatlining or, or sliding even in in the rebels I I think the Waratahs have some momentum there at home. Um, and it is their last chance. I think that'll really motivate them. And you know what? I, I, I just can't see, I can't see a Rebels. They don't deserve to win this game and to make the finals. They, they've just been really uninspiring this year where where at least the Tars have had moments where you're like, oh, I can see the good in this team. I can see the potential. The Rebels are just haphazard. And I think this is, I think this is Dave Russell's swan song. I, I don't think we see him again in, in Super Rugby after this. Yeah, I think there's actually a lot of pressure on the Rebels given, you know, there's been some articles this week about Dave Vessels and the fact he wants to continue as coach. His contract's up at the end of the year. Um, you know, they've had much, much better teams than this and failed to make any sort of semblance of finals. 
and looking at the selections for this week, you know, when you're putting guys like Kemeny and Hardwick on the bench, Farmer on the bench, yeah, it's it's baffling a little bit. Maybe he's carrying an injury, but yeah, I don't like the look of the Ford pack, to be honest. Is do you reckon that's a ploy just to to try and bring some some energy and seniority into the end of the game? Like, do we think this Waratahs a suspect late in the game, and and if the Rebels can just maintain like less of a peak level, but a really a good level I mean, for eighty tr- minutes, are they? I, I think it's dumb, right? I wouldn't do it. I'd just be trying to blow them out with that first twenty minutes of massive intensity that they have managed to bring in some games, and then just fallen off, but. I just wonder if it's a tactic. Do they do they think they can bring those guys on in the second half and just uh, kind of knock the Waratahs around and and rest the momentum for the second forty minutes? Yeah, it's a risky strategy, um, particularly I think in the front row. You lay see, I think he's almost been better when he's come on later in the game because he's really keen to make an impression. And Hanson is a very kind of stable force in that forward pack. He's so experienced. I just think Elof and Farmacilli have been by far and away the best props in that team all year. And I want them to be playing as many minutes as possible. And then when you have Leota and Hallett Petty in the second row, it's just, yeah, it just, it seems very uninspiring. Um, Nicerani being back is a bright point for them, but how much can he actually do? How much can he, can he carry this team? You know, we know his kind of meters after contact is so crucial to them getting over the game line. But then when you got Wells and Wilkin backing him up, I just, I'm not sure they got enough. Um, Natars don't have an amazing team either, but I actually like the balance of Natars forward pack in particular better than this Rebels team. I don't actually mind Wilkin, but yeah, I, I don't think they've dropped the right people if they're keeping Wells. Um, I do think, um, I do think James Rams will be very busy facing a Frank Lamani. Uh, so hopefully he's on his toes because that's one of those, um, breakout players that that's the sort of uh, game the Rebels will need. They need some of that Tamua magic that we saw earlier in the season, just the one-on-one freakish stuff uh, and some some bursts from Frank Lamani. Because at the moment, I think the Waratahs' backs are, are starting to play a lot better as a unit, particularly through those centers. They're, they're leading the, that group really well. And uh, from what I saw of the Campbell Magnate and Stacey Ely on the weekend, they're serviceable, but they're not they're not exciting and they're not really aside from that one big run then i don't think they're getting the penetration um and i don't you know i'm not going to put that all on tomorrow uh, but i think it kind of starts there inconsistent passing and and just some of the decisions they're making they're they're not really playing the odds they're just trying to push push too early to take some points i think joe powell's been someone who i've been impressed by in all this um but again, I'm not sure it's enough. I don't think he has as much as it, of an impact on the game, obviously, as Tamua. Tamua's on, like maybe he can yeah, that's what I was gonna control say. this game, strangle it. Um, the Waratahs how, how don't exciting. have the pressure on them, though. <laughs> they don't really have, you know, going winless is one thing. But when you know from a Rebels perspective, this is for the finals, our coach may lose his job if we don't make the finals. You know, there's a lot more pressure on you. I think the Waratahs will, you know, go out without that burden and I think that will actually benefit them and they'll be willing to take risks that the the Rebels won't actually be willing to do. I have a sneaking suspicion that we might see a different Rebels team on the field, running on the field, um, compared to what they've named at the moment here. I just had the sneaking suspicion that I don't know whether... Wrestles is playing mind games or something, but I reckon there might be a few switch arounds. Um, Signs of a desperate man, if that's what happens. If this is the best tactic he's got, pull some late, like, look, yeah. You think, yeah, if you think against. that's actually going to impact the game, the Warriors yeah. is going to be oh, we plan for these people actually starting, like, that'll be like printing some special um, train, like warm-up shirts in sky blue just to try and throw the Waratahs off. Oh, they're wearing the same, like just dumb s- stuff like that. Like not so, absolutely, I, I could see it happening, but it's a, it's a poor sign if if that's part of it. I reckon the Waratahs win this. I, I don't want to get my hopes up too much. But yeah, it just feels like it's a game that really economy means nothing to them, but they're just like Toby said, or was it used, like they're just going to be playing unencumbered. Whereas when, when have we ever seen the rebels thrive under pressure really as a group? 
Mm. And do they even do a lot of them even respect Dave Wessels enough to play to save him? Do you think so, they yeah. respect Dave Wessels? I, I think they know, actually man. might like him more than we expect. I don't know. I mean, hopefully, hopefully, right? Well, I, I don't remember want that he's the guy that brought a heap of these. Well, I guess they're not the same. They're not all still there. That's right. It's but changed he in like so four years. Players over with him from the force, like they followed him, and they didn't really get all that much out of it, right? Like they haven't. If they'd be better off going to the Brumbies or the Reds. So, I think he's had his opportunity. This squad is somewhat in a, a bit of a rebuild as well. I think they're in a rut, and they yeah. need they need a freshening up. Which starts I- with the coach. I don't think they have an identity. I think they are in a bit of a rut. I think that they're caught between trying to have this success and also rebuild into the future because they really haven't had proper success since their inception. Um, and yeah, if you look at their roster that they had with Quaid and and Genny in there and all those guys, like that was their chance. That was their chance to really make a dent and make some make some history for themselves. And now they're chasing their tails a little bit. And Vessels, I think they, they probably do need to start again in some respects and do a bit, probably what the Waratahs are going to have to do over the next couple of years. One thing I don't think Wessels has done, and I reckon you'll agree with me, it, like what has he brought to each of their seasons in terms of you know, creative gameplay, different structures, trying to actually be ahead of the, the strategies of the other sides? Like They've just turned up with their best lineup of players. And I feel like, you know, he's relying heavily on to I mean, he, he did bring, when they had Genia and Quaid, they brought that really flat, flat. style of attack. Yeah. And it was sort of, that was when Which they got figured out mid season and then they yeah, couldn't adjust. They, the they didn't have a plan B. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Fair enough. That's, that's a fair, I just fair don't call. think he builds upon season upon season. It's like he starts again. You don't Very know sad. what you're getting. There's no identity. It's not like there's a clear plan of progression. And that's that's what that season showed, that they came out with a very different style. They absolutely killed it for like three or four weeks and then other teams figured them out, particularly the Kiwi teams, shut them down and they kept playing that style. They didn't have a plan B. They didn't they didn't know what to do. They either fell back into a, a clunky-looking deep deep line or they just kept forcing this flatline stuff. And that, that you don't like perceive, oh, well, these guys figured us out and the next counter move is this. And again, build and evolve and just kind of organically try and get ahead of what the, the opposition throw back at you. That's that's where I just feel like Wessels' capacity is capped. And he hasn't come up with anything like that this season. And it's his, you know, last single season signed on. You you'd think you'd be pulling out all the stops and I just I just don't see it. I think it's difficult when he had a pretty reasonable season with the force in his last year in twenty seventeen and then came across with a lot of respect to the players in that initial 2018 Rebels team. And yeah, probably had that opportunity for two years. And now it's been very, very difficult, I think, for him to build upon that. It's almost like you had such a good roster. Mm. How can you say, well, you know, we're building towards this. It's almost like they've lost those players. And now it's like the owner, it's a private owner would be like, well, we need to succeed. What am I getting out of this? Yeah. But he also doesn't probably want to spend too much money. It is difficult. And it's it's difficult when the force have shown so much this year, you know, even just identity-wise and passion and all these kind of intangibles that you see. Um, and the Rebels, I just don't think they can match that. Is it possible, given that the force have such a strong backing in WA with Forrest and, and just the the, the base over there it's probably it's foreseeable that if Wessels goes and the Rebels fall in a bit of a heap for a year that they then become the team that's under pressure financially and like they, they seem yeah. to get a good turnout at their stadiums but if they're not if they haven't got some stars and some sort of um, spectator draw where do they stand I'd be, actually be a bit worried that they become a bit unstable and maybe not be at risk of folding like you hope that the, the well, sort of National Super Rugby's don't don't allow it to happen, but they, how long is this? Not a lot going for them. Television deal with Stan is it three years or five years? It might be three. Yeah, so I mean, 
it is difficult to lose a team now when we've already lost South Africa, we've lost the Sunwolves, we've lost the Aguaros. You're building into a 12-team competition. I think they're going to be around for, for the foreseeable. But you're right. You, you probably do need to start again. New coach, probably overhaul the roster. And, yeah, I think Melbourne's too big a market to lose. But there does need to be some real change, I think. Absolutely. In other news around the world, the Lions um, are starting to put together, uh, Gatlin's got together a few of his coaches. They've released the, um, their jersey as well today. Looking at that, you can see that on, um, on our Instagram story or on Rugby Pass there as well. Is um, it red? I don't know how you guess that, man. It's got oh, some I mean, green little lining bits and some blue little lining bits. But it's basically red. Which is weird, right? Because there's not going to be that much, I guess, for red for Wales, I guess, is why. I don't think there's going to be a huge amount of English sort of influence on this team, is there? There's only so much you can do with that jersey, isn't there? Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, like Vodafone. Be red. Yeah, the, the sponsorship's well integrated and Canterbury still going strong there, but... Is that Warburton? Yeah, which is strange because he's retired. That's right. He doesn't play anymore. Why is Sam Warburton <laughs> wearing that jersey? That's weird. I guess because no one's no one's in been the squad yet. yet, so you can't. I suppose. Yeah. I suppose they um they wouldn't look too crash hot, and they wouldn't sell very many if Gatland's gone. Did the posing for them? So this is all confirmed for South Africa. Then there's no. Yep. Backward step in that. Okay. They're playing Japan, I believe, as a prelim game. And then they're headed to South Africa. And I'm not sure if they've confirmed any club games in South Africa or not those yet. Yeah, because obviously they've got the Rainbow Cup going on, don't they, with some of the Pro 14 teams integrating with the new South African teams that are going to be added, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, bit of a miss... Like, it's a... It's a bit all over the place in South Africa at the moment and the Springboks still haven't played a test since the World Cup, which is kind of mind-boggling as well. Still number one in the world, though. Yeah, well, we'll see how long that lasts once (laughs) we get into the rugby championship. (laughs) Mm. Um, But, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how the Springboks actually go given their lack of playing time together as a, a full Springboks squad. You can't imagine yet that they're going to be hugely competitive. Like, are they? I haven't heard of them having any prelim games. Um, I think they're going to struggle, anyway. which is a shame given how good they were in the World Cup. Yeah. I think the, the Northern Hemisphere, given they've... Obviously, it was a break with COVID, but then having the, the end of the Six Nations towards the end of last year and then a full Six Nations campaign this year, along with their club rugby, I think they're going to be a lot more prepared for this sort of, sort of three-game series. And also given the size of squad they're going to have um, and how up I think a lot of these players will be for, for playing a team that's number one in the world. I think it's a, I w- it's a huge occasion. I think the British and Irish Lions should be favourite. I wonder if you'll see an even bigger contingent of the Springboks being from those European clubs coming back because they are the most match fit. They've had the most... Um, game experience and also they obviously know the these players they're up against probably more than um, some of those players still playing in Super Rugby unlocked. Yeah, that's a good point. I've, and like they're, they're really, you can bring a lot of 2019 guys in and at least they'll be fit. And I mean, I don't know if you're modelling the, the entire tactics on the 2019 set, but they might not have many other choices. They might just have to stick with what they know. It'll probably just mean that the three matches are each maybe very different because the first match might mm. really be a blowing the rust off. The second match, um, maybe there's a counter punch, and the third is kind of who's who's adapted best. Mm. Will be interesting to see, and obviously that's um, coming up soon with the July sort of test window when that's aimed for um, at the moment. Looking across the Pacific, and we have US, um, the MLR continuing to roll on. Um, some big scores are being put up in this, and I guess it comes back to what, Leo, you were telling us about the entertainment of the game. Toronto took down Seattle Seawolves 52-7. Nola Gold, 30-29, uh, to 29, take down the New England Free Jacks. 
San Diego Legion, 31 to 29 to take down uh, Utah. Um, Houston Sabercats go down to the LA Giltinis, um, 48 to 35. And the Gilgronies win a tight one versus Atlanta, 17-15. Whereas the um, New York Rugby United take down DC, 38 to 34. So again, the Giltinis, Gilgronies uh, both stay at the top of their ladder um, with uh, Rugby New York and Nola Gold recapturing a little bit um, of momentum to lead the Eastern Conference um, on that side as well. This might be just my uh, false confidence from tipping all the games this week, but I'm starting to feel like we're actually seeing that, um, you know, the best really split out. Um, this was pretty much all home teams winning except for the Giltini. So um, becoming a little bit more predictable and some of the highest scoring games, are like, still close. So still entertaining, still, still really, you know, the, the game was there for the taking into the last five minutes for a lot of these sides. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 still exciting. It's still got got plenty of points, plenty of entertainment. And actually, the more the more I'm following, the the more I'm noticing people who I have actually seen before. and going, ah, oh, so that's where that person ended up. Um, I think I saw Mac Mason was yep, being yep. around for the Gilgronies. Um, yeah, and and I had actually, you know, I had crossed my mind where where did he get to after the Tars? And there you go, he's winning games for the Gilgronies. Yeah, I think it's, it's it's just good to see there's opportunities for players that maybe don't quite make it in Super Rugby. And we know what the market's like in Europe, but to have Japan there, to have the US there now as an option, I think is only good for the game. Um, we want more eyes on the sport, of course. And um, yeah, I think just with the population of the US, if this actually gets traction, like it is going to be huge. There's no doubting that. Because as soon as people are paying attention private investors are going to get more involved and there's going to be a real expansion across the US. Before we sign off, guys, uh, what are you looking forward to most about this weekend? Well, I'm very jealous you guys are at the game. I'm in quarantine, so I'll be watching. Um, Look, I'm I'm really excited to see the Tars get their first win of the season. I think they're going to be too strong for the Rebels, a desperate Rebels team. Um, I don't hold too much hope for the the force getting over the Reds and I'm kind of fond of seeing the Reds go undefeated this season as well. So two interesting games, but I think, yeah, the Australian competition is really heating up and we're, we're going to finally get the clear picture of who's going to be playing, you know, in that second and third playoff. Yeah. I think I'm just looking forward to getting to a game that I think has some um, real excitement about it. Like obviously getting, getting down there with you arch is going to be, Excellent, but it'd be nice, uh, nice to be getting a, a solid game, and not just you know going going to a game for the sake of that's the game that's on and, and not having a lot of hope. I think there's going to be a really good uh, finish to the end of the season. Uh, look, if the Waratahs go down, uh, it'll still be I guess ex- exciting, and, and the Rebels will get something out of it. We'll, we'll see them live on another week. Um, meanwhile, we've, you know, it should be it should be a good contest over in the West. The Force will be giving it everything. Um, trying to put more points on than the Reds and they'll just be doing their thing, going for the undefeated season. Like it's it's a good end round. There's some good games in New Zealand as well. Um, yeah, plenty to look forward to and, and getting some live rugby in it. It's even better. Do we know, what are you guys thinking in terms of crowds for Bankwest? Obviously a great stadium for rugby, um, but I can't imagine there's going to be a huge amount of Sydney siders getting out to see a task team that you know is winless this season. Ultimately, yeah, I think that would be the sentiment here that, you know, these guys have just, you know, people people who have been um, partial observers really wouldn't know that this team has shown much at all uh, this year. So, yeah, it's probably going to be pretty low numbers, but um, there'll be four of us. We're dragging the olds down there as well. Uh, casual listeners of the podcast wish they supported us more, but uh, at least they're coming to the rugby with us. doesn't help when you're calling them the olds. <laughs> Not gonna like that. Young at heart. That's if they make it to this far through, guys. And do, does anyone? I don't know if anyone is still is still listening to us at this point. Yeah, tweet us, mum, if you get this far. <laughs> tweet us anyone if you get this far. <laughs> we'll, we'll try and get you something if you if you manage to actually get through this whole thing. Anyway, 
that should be us for another week, boys. Um, as always, you can find extra information. Follow us on on our socials at Running Rugby Podcast Instagram and at Running Rugby Pod on Twitter. And make sure you've subscribed and follow us, um, followed us on wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you next week. Let's see if the Tars can get a win. Keep on running. Run. <laughs>